Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. Well, you can trade Trey Lance to Minnesota or trade him to the Rams. He'll be their starter. When are people going to realize that he hasn't played well enough to be a starter? Like, potential's one thing, reality's another. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and Visa. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, we have another chapter in this Trey Lance 49ers development, maybe the final chapter, as it was reported yesterday from Tom Pelissero and Ian Rappaport that Trey Lance will be QB3 for the 49ers. Shocking. Sam Darnold Shocking. will be QB2. Where have I heard this before? Shocking. Yeah. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I, I, mean, echo. <laughs> I, I swear, I feel like, you know, I mean, like it's unbelievable. I said it, I was on Pat McAfee last Friday and he asked me the question and I said, he's going to be QB three and, you know, and they had somebody else on earlier in the show and they said it wasn't decided yet. Look, this has been decided. I, I don't know why it's so hard for people to understand. Yes. They made a tremendous investment in the quarterback. Yes, they, they've given us an opportunity. They, they want this to work out. There's not a hidden agenda, right? This isn't the, this isn't the Warren Commission trying to cover something up. They're, they want this to work, and they just can't make it work right now. And so they've got to move on. Time is the enemy in the NFL. And when they decided that this is what they have to do, I keep reading these things. Well, you can trade Trey Lance to Minnesota or trade him to the Rams. He'll be their starter. Like, at some point, when are people going to realize that he hasn't played well enough to be a starter? Like, potential's one thing, reality's another. Like, and this is not a knock on the kid. This is just the player. We're talking the player here. And unfortunately, nobody wants nobody wants to give up the evaluation, whereas other players in the league, you know, it's easy to give up the evaluation. Oh, yeah, he's no good. Yeah, he's no good. This guy, that nobody wants to give up the evaluation on this guy. Especially in the Twitter universe. I mean, those geniuses, you know, that I, I read I read this. Here here's what I loved. I read that that he made himself made it very challenging for Kyle and for John Lynch after that fourth quarter, right? Huh? Jacob Fromm's fourth quarter never got any recognition at all. He let him on a comeback. That got no recognition at all. Throw that shit in the trash. Put Jacob Fromm stuff in the trash. That's meaningless. That's fourth quarter crap. Trey Lance did it. Oh, it's tremendous. Oh, he's gonna he's put a lot of pressure on. Like what? Like at some point, what, when do you when do you realize you're just running around in circles? Well, Kyle, even you can't defend this, and you're the greatest defender of all. Kyle Shanahan pretty much said that this was about ten days ago. Sam Darnold started to separate himself as QB two. He spoke with KNBR, the radio station down there in the Bay Area. Didn't talk to the Niners press corps, but did speak on the radio yesterday about the decision of informing Trey Lance that he was indeed going to be QB three for the 49ers. I mean, this isn't a thing that we're giving up on Trey. This is more of how Brock played in his seven games, and that was decided before the season started. And then how good Sam's looked. They both looked good. But we do have to make a decision here, and you only get so many reps at it. And um, we feel, um, you know, starting about 10 days ago, Sam really separated himself, and um, we got to keep it real in that way. So we got to keep it real in that way. But he did say we're not giving up on Trey. Is that just, is that just that. imposturing so, for negotiations? Well, I mean, look, there's two things that you have to understand about the National Football League. There's protection of asset and then there's reality. OK, so they're trying to protect the whatever the asset is. Right. Well, they're trying to protect them. Look, they tried to trade them. Here's the number one thing you've got to understand. Mm -hmm. Rand Carthon was in the organization when they drafted Trey Lance. Do you hear any interest coming out of Tennessee that they're interested before they picked Will Levis? that they wanted to trade for. They could have easily traded for Trey Lance. We know that he was available this offseason. We made fun of, of Lynch saying his phone was ringing. You know, he was the Maytag repairman. So he could have made a trade for him. He didn't. He was in the building. D'Amico Ryans could have made a trade for him before he picked C.J. Stroud, right? 
He could have made a trade for him. Slovic, the offensive coordinator, they could have easily said, hey, look, if we get Trey Lance, they'll give us Trey Lance. He can't play there. We'll bring him here. Did they do that? Of course they didn't because they are in the building. They're watching this. The people that are outraged are the ones that have the least information. How, how does this make sense? You have the least amount of information and you're trying to talk on an authoritative basis when the people in the building and people who have left the building, like common sense, like can't we use common sense? This has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that we're evaluating the player, the player. That's all we're doing. Well, the evaluation, this is something that we've kind of had our discussions about in the past about the sample size of the evaluation, but I want to read this tweet off to you. This is from Nick Wagner over at ESPN. He covers the 49ers, and he tweeted out yesterday evening saying, if the 49ers do trade Trey Lance and he doesn't play in a regular season game again for them, he will have played in eight games with the team. That would mean he played in the fewest games by a top five pick for the franchise he debuted with in the common draft era. That goes all the way back to 1967. And that's been my thing is that I get that we were evaluating the player throughout practice and all of that stuff, but the games also are a different level than practice. And maybe it would have looked like the worst quarterback ever, but at least we would have had a stamped confirmed evaluation of, Hey, but this guy cannot that, play. They're not going to do that for you. They already know that. That's why we I, have practice. But they, how do they, they know? know it? How? Femi, you know, you, because you go to practice and you, you, you watch practice tape. You're in the meetings. You're in there. It's everything. Practice execution becomes game reality. Like you're talking like a fan. You're not talking like an executive. You watch these practices. It isn't, oh, we're going to put them out there and let's hope. Let's pray. Like that's what fans want. Like that's why we have, that's why they tape practices. That's why we tape meetings. That's why it's a billion dollar industry. We're not just throwing this shit out there. You watch in the practice tape. He's got to stand in front of his team. He did last year. They did that. They gave him the job last year. They said, here it is, Trey. It's your job, right? You watched mm -hmm. him play against Chicago. You watched him play in the in, in the in, in the Houston preseason game. You watched him play a little bit in the Arizona game when he unfortunately broke his ankle. Like, they've seen this. Like, this clinging to he hasn't played enough to really know. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. You earn the right to play. Yeah. Like, you just can't put a guy out there. Like, this rhetoric is ridiculous. Like, this rhetoric is because you haven't seen it, you're not sold. Well, they have seen it. Well, this time last year, their current QB1 was QB3, who they presumably saw in practice. So, like, they didn't it, give it enough the reps. Same. They didn't give him enough reps, right? And I'm sure when they saw him in practice, they said, hey, this guy's pretty good. They kept him on the team. I mean, Mr. Irrelevant, he made their team. They could have put him on practice squad. Who was going to claim him? They saw him. He made their team. They brought Jimmy back because they knew they were in trouble. Do you think they wanted to bring Jimmy back? Of course they didn't. No, they they brought work. Jimmy back and kept Lance as the starter. They wanted this to work, and it wasn't working. Like, I don't know why it's so hard that if you don't see it and some guy on Twitter doesn't see it, they're not believing it. Like, at some point, well, you earn the right to play. Uh, well, why, why it's hard for me is because I actually don't think that Kyle Shanahan has a great track record with quarterbacks. I mean, this is not dec like hidden or anything like that. His grand plan when he got to the 49ers was to go ahead and sign Kirk Cousins. Then he goes right. ahead and, like, 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 this, like, this isn't a guy who's, like, but beyond reproach but you gotta, at oh, QB evaluations. Well, he picked Trey. He, he, you know, he got he got Cousins to play well. He got you know he got Matt Schaub to play well. Matt Ryan played the best he's ever played for him. I mean, Matt Schaub in Houston played really good. Third round pick out of Virginia, played really good. Like like I agree with you. Like it, it, I I would say it differently than you say it. I would say not every quarterback. Everybody thinks Kyle's system is quarterback friendly. When Nick Mullins couldn't play well in it. Mm -hmm. When C.J. Beathard couldn't play well in it. Right. Like, it, yes, it is quarterback friendly, but you have to bring enough skill to the table to execute. That's why all those years, that's why they have Nick Bosa. Because when Garoppolo got hurt, they couldn't play. They couldn't win. Yep. They traded for Garoppolo because Hoyer couldn't make any throws. They could. It wasn't quarter, you know, it's certain players, don't, it, it takes a player to play in it well. But if he gets a guy who can play in it well, he maximizes the ability. So I think there's a little bit of a, I agree on some parts of what you're saying. Mm -hmm. There's a misconception that he can take any quarterback and win with them. That's not true. Yeah. That's not true. And I think too, also for me is that 
like Lance, obviously we we can all agree like this is not going to work. Like it's it's the chapter is closed. The book where is closed. Where is it going to work, Femi? Where I, I is it know. going to work? But here's where is it but going here's my work? question. I mean, to they you, have though. the most invested but in it. Here's my question to you though: is that they knew prior to selecting him, he was a developmental quarterback. Why did they select a developmental quarterback after trading all those assets? Like, that is the question that Kyle Shanahan needs to answer. And maybe it's when we get the 30 for 30 or the untold story about this whole saga. But why did they take a developmental quarterback with all of those assets when they didn't have time to actually develop him and they had this Super Bowl window? I I think they felt like they could develop him. I think they felt like he had this unique skill set, right? And we'll bring him in here in Kyle's system. He'll enhance Kyle's system. It, a, a lot of this is, to me, it's coming from the personnel people. That personnel people see this, and all of a sudden they think it could happen. I mean, look, we know this. We know he wanted to pick Mac Jones. We know that. We, we've said that numerous times, right? Mm-hmm. And he got talked into it by Lynch and Adam Peters and other people because they said, "Here's look at this talent. Look at this potential. Well, yeah, he's got talent. He's got potential. But unfortunately, it didn't manifest itself. And so now they got to make a decision. And I I applaud him for admitting it. Like, you know, Kyle's word there, we got to keep it real. Yeah, they got to keep it real. But look, if it were close, Femi, if it were close, they would have him as the number two. Yeah. If it were close, it's not close. You know, last week, people were putting out there, well, they haven't made a decision. Kyle comes out and says 10 days ago it was separate. We know this. We know that I said this 10 days ago. Like, People know it. It, 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 it. You have to watch it. But nobody wants to admit it. When he completes a pass, all of a sudden I see every national media guy on Twitter showing the pass. Oh, look at Trey Lance b- brilliantly put that ball. Nobody shows Jake Fromm putting the ball in there. No, God forbid we did that. You know, he leads, you know, he broke the Ravens 24 game yeah, win streak, but we're not going to give him any love. Fuck that. No way. No chance. Come on. It's such, it's all PR. At some point, when are people going to realize this stuff is PR? Look through it. Well, you didn't say this 10 days ago. We, we, we said this the first week of free agency when they signed Sam Darnold. We said, uh-oh, this is like an actual thing here that it's he's done. not going to be QB2. Like, that was pretty evident when they signed him. But I think the last point on this, and obviously we'll talk more about what happens with Lance going forward here, but this has to go down as one of the worst trades in NFL history. Like, how does it not? Three first-round picks for a guy who started four games and it's already over? Well, like, that, that, that's... They're winning. They're winning. So they've gotten away with it. But you're right. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it's embarrassing. If I, and if I were the guy <laughs> that bad. recommended, if I were the guy that believed in Lance, I don't think I'd ever bring up a quarterback again. No. <laughs> yeah. Wh- whoever it was in that building, we're saying that obviously Shanahan wanted Mac Jones, but he's also the head honcho in terms of decision making in that building. He has to wear some of it as well. But it's an absolutely disaster of a trade. But somehow they've lived to tell the tale and are a Super Bowl contender once again. We'll talk Lance and then Jonathan Taylor on the other side of the GM Shuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
It truly is remarkable that it feels like the 49ers brass, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch are going to go ahead and survive this because I don't think many organizations wow. would survive this many assets given up because we talk about the yeah. economics of things, supply and demand, but the opportunity cost and what you could have selected with those number one draft picks adding to an already talented roster. But let's talk about the Lance side of this thing. 48 hours from now, he's scheduled to play and start in this Friday preseason game against the Chargers. We'll see how that goes. I mean, my goodness. Uh, But 48 hours from now, is he still on the Niners roster? Is he somewhere else? Is he not making the 53? Because I asked you earlier, does he make the 53 when it looked like we were headed towards Sam Darnold being QB2? Like, what happens with Trey Lance now that it is out there that he is QB3 and the path to him seeing the field is injury is probably the only thing that can that can get him on the field as a starter. I mean, look, you did not have to be Sherlock Holmes to know he was quarterback three all offseason. I mean, they've tried to trade him. Mm-hmm. Like, he's out there. They've tried to. You know, they've tried to say, hey, make us an offer. You know, they, they, they couched it as, well, we're not going to give him away unless we get something fair back. Well, that's not true. They would, they're going to take whatever they can take because here's the issue. This is a little bit an NBA issue here. He's got guaranteed money coming to him. He's got 3.7 million guaranteed this year of salary, right? Between his his roster bonus and his base. Okay, so that's all buttoned up. That's guaranteed. So he's got that, and then he's got 5.3 million next year guaranteed. So he's got over eight million dollars guaranteed. And he's got prorated bonuses that have already been paid out. He's got 12, let's say he's got $11 million of 10.8 million of prorated bonuses till left. So two things, you want me to give you an asset, a high asset, and then you want me to pay the money for a player that you couldn't get to play and you wanted him to be your starter? Like who's making this trade, Femi? When you put it in that context, who's making it? So if it's like Allen Robinson, you want me to take Allen Robinson and his $11 million salary, Mr. Rams? Okay, if you pay $9 million, I'll give you, we'll flop sevens. There's no trade there. Okay, now we'll do it. That, that's where we are. That's where we are. And they've tried to manual. Why do you think all the national media people put out all these? The 49ers are as good as the Ravens in terms of putting out spin. <laughs> I mean, they really are. I mean, you know, they have the best quarterback room. We read that. We got people showing clips of Trey Lance on Twitter, drilling a ball at poor Jake DeFromm. He can't get a clip on Twitter. But anyway, so, like, at some point, you know, at some point, people in the league just, they realize that's for the fans. The people in the league watch the tape. They know they you can't con the people. They're watching. They're, they're seeing it the way I see it. And I'm not saying that I'm right on everything, and I'm not saying, but I'm not a fan. I'm not falling in love with this. I'm seeing it as an executive. They see the same thing. Who wants the money? Look, Tennessee, do you think they've solved their quarterback issues long term? I don't think so. Will Levis, we'll see. He plays the, the, the Patriots the next night. He hasn't looked like anything special. Malik Willis still doesn't look very good. So you know, why wouldn't they be involved? How about Houston? Okay, they got C.J. Stroud, so they're not going to be involved. Mm-hmm. People say, well, the Rams would be involved. Oh, right. Okay, you think McVay hasn't watched the tape? I mean, I mean, it's like, seriously. And then you want me, you want the Rams to take them who have no cap room whatsoever. And then the Rams are going to guarantee 10. They're trying to dump 10 million of salary, not trying to gain 10 million of salary. Well, what if the Niners got creative and, and sweetened the pot? We, we saw this with Houston and Cleveland, that Brock Osweiler trade where the Houston Texans gave a Brock Osweiler, but attached him to a second round pick. Like, I don't know if it has to be as high as a second round pick, but what if they said, Hey, Here's Trey Lance, and we will give you a third or a fourth round pick for you guys to take him, and then you give us back like a fifth rounder or something like that. Like you can get creative with these things here to maybe entice a team to take him on there as a low risk proposition. If the team likes him, I mean, I'm going to say this now. I know this is going to offend a lot of people, but Brock Osweiler had better tape as a pro than Trey Lance has. Just going to say that. Yeah, we and I called him the heist. Somebody paid him that. You know, I mean, John Elway paid. Right. But he had better tape than Trey Lance has as a pro. Now, he's played more games in fairness, but he's had better tape. And so when they took him, they were at least you could say, well, watch this tape or watch that tape. This unfortunately, Lance doesn't have very good tape in in regular season or in preseason. He doesn't have much tape at all. What's he got? Nine play games. So 
I think that becomes a little bit more of an issue. You, th- this is one of those where the the team that will t- would trade anything for Trey Lance, and I would say it would be minimum, would be the team that really liked him coming out in the draft. Mm-hmm. That, th- that 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 is run by a coach that has enough authority to stamp it down. Yeah. It, and and this is a very problem situation. You know, Minnesota's trying to they're not trying to take salary on. They're trying to dump salary. They're in salary cap trouble, right? They could they use them for next year perhaps. But but again, there would be a lot of interest if you could just take the player without taking the guarantees. Mm-hmm. But there wouldn't be interest in terms of getting a second round pick or a third. Nobody's paying that. Like, let's get real here. Yeah. No, it's like if he ends up being a free agent, which according to he you, I don't it's think, like you don't I don't think, 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 he will think they'll actually cut him because of the contract and what they would have to eat. I think a lot money. of this will come from Lance. Lance, if, if Jimmy Sexton, the agent for Trey Lance, says, look, we want to trade. We he, he can't play there. Get him out of there. We're not going to, you know, we really, if, it depends on what the stance is of the kid. And the kid's a great kid. So I don't know if he'll take that stance. So we'll see. Yeah. So I guess he kind of just is QB3. Like, that's what it seems like. And they can keep their all-time quarterback room. Sounds like they want Brandon Allen to be QB3. That's what it, that's what that's what it sounds yeah. like. That's, what it, I, that's the way so, I read it. I mean, they would like this to, they would like this to go, they would like this to go away. They would like to put him somewhere, let him get on with his career, and let them get on with their career. Which then is my next question. Do you see a situation to where they kind of put him on like an exempt list to where he still gets paid but is not in no. the building? You can't do that. There, you cannot do that. That's against okay. the rules. You can't do that. Uh, the, he's going to have to either be on the team or they're going to have to cut him. There's no list for, we made a mistake, so we'll put you on this list. No, there's not. that, that list doesn't exist. <laughs> we don't have the mulligan list? <laughs> we do not have the mulligan list. That, that, that list doesn't exist. Either he plays or he doesn't play. Yeah. And so, you know, and so they have to make that decision. And I think a lot of this will come from the kid. Look, the kid's probably really disappointed. The kid's trying to get better. Mm-hmm. And... He wants to try to play. He needs a new environment. The problem is he's got guaranteed money, which he shouldn't walk away from. But that's also a roster spot as well for the 49ers that, I mean, I get it. It's like, hey, like, it's a lot of guaranteed money that they're owed. But, man, it's almost as if you're burning a roster spot, holding him on the roster. But you've got cap. They What they really want to do is they want somebody to take them and take the guaranteed money off yeah. their hands so they can give it to Bosa. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it doesn't sound like anybody's going to be interested in doing that. So they're kind of just stuck, you know. And it's going to be hard. Well, we'll keep but, you know, they got great PR. They'll, 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 I'm sure we'll read a story today where there's eight teams calling. I mean, I'm sure we'll have that. Well, we did read a story that there are teams reportedly calling for Colts running back Jonathan Taylor. The, the latest on the Jonathan Taylor saga is that the Colts have given him a deadline. He has until Tuesday to find a trade partner. ESPN Stephen Holder, who does a good job covering the Colts, said six teams have inquired about Taylor's availability, and two of them have engaged the Colts with offers. Uh, how do you think this Jonathan Taylor situation gets resolved? Do we see him on another team by Tuesday, or does he end up realizing that other teams aren't really interested in paying a big salary and he ends up with Indianapolis Colts? You know, it's funny. I, I saw that people said Philly was interested. I, I would suspect if Philly were interested, it would be for if they thought the kid would play on the existing contract that he had, mm-hmm. right? And they would give up something for him. Why wouldn't they? I mean, they've done that before. So, you know, any team would want to do that. I think there's a market out there for Jonathan. Do you want to play on the fourth year? And then we'll see where it goes from for us. I think there's probably a good market out there. Now, do we give up a a, a bunch of picks? Because Ballard wants picks that add up to what would be equivalent to a one. Whew. So could that be a two and a three? You know, I know it's going to be hard. But if you want to, if I got to give you that, if I got to give you a first round pick, if I say Philly says, okay, I'll give you a one, you know, Philly's not going to recoup that if they don't re-sign him. And then you've got to ask yourself the question, are we going to pay this guy 15, 16? Like, what kind of deal are we going to get? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the team that takes him on, if they're willing to redo that. Would Miami be willing to, to take him on, give up a first round pick, and then pay him? They didn't have any tolerance to pay they were not interested in paying Dalvin Cook seven million, and he didn't cost anything. Yeah. So I, I don't know how this is going to play. I don't think the phone's ringing off the hook in Indianapolis for Chris Ballard. I think one of the reasons he did this was because I think it helps him talk to the kid about this is your market. 
Mm-hmm. I think it gives the agents some reality about what teams are willing to pay. And if somebody said, look, we're willing, you know, we'll give you a three-year deal, average 13, you know, then I'm sure the Colts would have done that deal easily. But I think this allows you, and I think putting a deadline on it makes it that teams have to cough up. So eliminate certain teams that have no cap room, right? So there's certain teams that can't afford them if he's not going to play, if he's if he wants to redo. If he wants to play on the existing contract, I, I'm sure there's a lot of teams that are willing to give up picks because they know they could get him back in a compensatory yeah. pick. You know what I would do? And it, it, it pains me to even say this as a Dallas Cowboys fan, but... If I was Jonathan Taylor's agent, I would tell him, hey, man, let's roll the dice. Let's try to get to Philadelphia somehow. Have an awesome season behind that offensive line. Show that you're the all-pro running back that you were a couple years ago, and then let's try to take another bite at this thing right now. You're going to have more carries on you. There'll be more wear and tear on you. But if you have a 1,500, 1,600-yard season, maybe you have a healthier market this time next year versus what it is right now. But Philly, Philly's not going to give up a first-round pick for a no. rental. Well, and, I, well, and, Ballard's, and Ballard's not going to take something less than that. You know, well, I mean, so there's two categories we're talking about. We're talking about our teams interested in Ren and Jonathan Taylor. I think that market probably robust. Mm-hmm. Our teams interested in paying a first-round pick and extending him at $16, $17 no. million a year. I think that market's rather small. Yeah. So I think that's what we're going to come out with. I, do I think six teams called? I'm sure they did. Do I think six teams probably said it's too much? Yeah. I think you call to find out where we are. Okay. Uh, right. Does this guy want a extend? Can it, will he play? You talk to the agent. Will he play on his existing contract? And we'll decide on where we're going from there. If you find that he would, okay. Well, if you're Philly, what if you say, we'll give you our, our second round pick, which is probably going to be a late two since they're expected to be a really good team. I mean, they're not going to – Ballard, I get he's asking for the first-round pick. You're not going to get it. Like, just get that out of your head. Like, you have to ask But then he's not going to trade him. But then he's not going to trade him. He has leverage, Femi. He has leverage. He doesn't have to do it. he doesn't have to. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess you want to get something out of it. I don't know. We'll see. We'll talk more about this on the other side. And we'll get to blue chips, red chips, wide receivers, and tight ends here on a Thursday. You know, we were talking during the break here, and our producer, Elliot Bowman, brought up a great point here about the Jonathan Taylor situation, and it's very similar to what we saw earlier this offseason mm-hmm. with Austin Eckler and the Chargers, where they let him go and seek a trade. Nothing came of it, and then he kind of had a tweaked contract to where now he is ready to go for this upcoming season and is expected to be a free agent next year. And this, to me, feels like the most likely scenario is that all right, maybe they tweak something here with Taylor's contract to get him back on the field, but then we just continue out and head towards free agency. But it's it's hard to find a suitor out there that's willing to pay the price that the Colts are asking for and also willing to pay the price that Taylor is asking for as well. Yeah, I mean, look, I think Eckler is so dynamic. I love Eckler. I think he's incredible in the passing game. His ability to catch passes and score touchdowns, especially when he gets to the red zone, and when he was out there trying to find a market, there was teams that had money. Now teams have less money. Look, I mean, Taylor's a really good player. I mean, he had a, the 1,800-yard season, you know, they didn't make the playoffs when he gained 1,800 yards. You know, he had 360 yards in receiving. So, like, this, there's a media push to get a running back paid. I don't see it. The, the Eagles have never paid a back. Why would they? I mean, Miami, they were 31st in the league in rushing attempts last year. They're going to pay a running back. They got to pay Tua if Tua stays healthy. Yeah. My only thing with Philadelphia is that if they were to offer a second round pick, and I know Ballard wants the first round pick and all that stuff, and he doesn't have to trade Jonathan Taylor, is that for Philadelphia, if I was Howie Roseman for a rental, I'd give up a two. Everybody like, would. Yeah. Everybody would give him up for a rental. But that's the point. Ballard's not going to give him up. I mean, why would Ballard give him up? The guy's screaming and kicking and saying he's worth all this, and that the best you can give me back is a second-round pick? That proves Ballard's point. That's what Ballard wants. Ballard wants somebody to offer him just a two, and he can go to the kid and say, look, you told me you're the greatest running back. You deserve 17 miles, and all they want to pay is a two? Mm. Yeah. That, that's. Def- I mean, that's what he wants. He wants that answer. That's that's what he's hoping to gain from this. He's hoping to prove his point. He's hoping to use 31 other teams to prove his point. 
That's why he allowed this to happen, because he knows the market out there. He knows that nobody's going to give him what what what. And this is going to make the kid realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, that's all. Well, they're going to pay me. No, 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 they're not paying. They're renting you. Mm-hmm. Why can't I rent you? I signed you. Well, maybe he's realizing that the waters are a little bit more shallow than he thought. Last thing on this, uh, who do you think the two teams are that have engaged with the Colts and offers reportedly? I, I can't tell. I mean, I, I, I would think, again, I think there's two groups. I think the, the group of rentals is fairly probably like Philly. I think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think the extension group can't be that strong. I mean, if Miami signs him and extends him, you know, maybe, you know, but, but that owner wants to go all in. So yeah. I could buy Miami. I think he's all in on everything. But again, I, I don't know how that all would play out. You know, I, I got to, I mean, they keep saying Miami, but Miami didn't want Dalvin Cook. Now, maybe they're worried about the off the field stuff. Yeah. And Dalvin Cook, he is older than Jonathan Taylor. Taylor's still 24 years old, still yeah. pretty young in his, his contract. So maybe it's a little bit different of a dynamic. All right. We'll keep tracks on Jonathan Taylor and see what happens. But uh, he has until Tuesday to find a trade yep. partner. And then if he doesn't find one, I guess we'll be back with the the, the, the Colts on the pup list. I think that's where we're headed here. Uh, but let's get to blue chips, red chips. And today's episode, we're highlighting the pass catchers, not just the wide receivers, but the tight ends as well. Do you want to start with the tight ends or do you want to start here with the wide receivers? Because I know you wanted to explain the difference in the tight ends list and how tight end isn't really just a catch-all position. There's a, almost two positions within the position. Yeah, I think you have to have on your draft board, you, you got to have, there's very few guys who play Y. There's very few guys who play Y. What does playing Y mean? Y means you can block a seven technique. Y means you can block a nine. Y means you can stay in protection, right? And then Y means you can split cover two. Y means you can go, you're a dynamic pass catcher. You know, Dallas Goddard, who's a blue Y, is one of those guys, right? You know, Pat Fryermuth is one of those guys. I put him in the blue category because he can do both, you know. But then, to me, the guys that really get cheated because there's not a category are the big Fs. So, for example, Kittle's a Y, and Joku's a Y, and there. I have them as my top Ys. Whether they're blues or red, I don't know. There's just not enough of them, right? Mm-hmm. I think Goddard's the best one, the best, the most complete tight end in the league in terms of blocking at the end of the line and being a dynamic in the passing game. Mm-hmm. And you say, well, is he better than is he better than Kelsey? No, no, no. Kelsey's not a tight end. Kelsey's a legitimate receiver. And Kelsey takes way less money to be a legitimate receiver because he's selfless. And you got to applaud him for that. But he's a big Y. And so he's never blocking a nine. He's blocking edge. He's blocking run force. He's never blocking at the point. So there's a different category. And there's so many of these guys now in the league that are coming into the league, whether it's, you know, whether we saw with Sam uh, for the press. Laporta. Yep. Laporta. We got, you know, now Michael Meyer was more of a Y. He was an on the line Y. He may be. But like Mark Andrews, Hawkinson, Evan Ingram, Jawan Johnson from the Saints is a true a true at big F. And Waller, that I mean, even last week when Waller played, he wasn't playing Y. He was motioning him. He was playing big receiver. Mm-hmm. And it's a mismatch receiver. So I think you got to be really careful about how you grade. These guys don't get paid like receivers, but they truly are. And they they help the offense. They really do. And they they the, the PA has to try to find a way to help these kind of guys, because there's going to be more and more and more of them, yeah. right? Yeah, and and what's and the Goddard's the guy that the like Goddard should be the highest paid tight end. Kittle can still block because he's determined and he's tough, all those things. But Fryermuth is an old school guy. That's why Michael Mayer will be an old school guy because those guys could block the sevens and the nines and pass protect and still make a make a difference in the passing game. So it's kind of a little bit. It's hard to really go through the tight ends because they're not tight ends. Like they're just not tight. Kelsey's not a tight end. He's a great receiver. And and to your point about the contracts, we just saw Evan Ingram, who was on the franchise tag. He signed his long-term extension a couple days before the deadline. Three years, $41.25 million, $24 million guaranteed. Like, that's like, we saw wide receivers who were wide receiver threes and wide receiver twos signing those kind of deals. And you have... Evan Ingram as one of your top line big Fs, those guys who are the pass catchers that are not really the inline type of well, blockers there. So that right, kind of like, goes to your point right there. 
Yeah, like Kyle Pitts. I mean, why isn't he on the list? So, I mean, you could put Kyle Pitts on the list. He's a big F. He's not a tight end. He, he's not a tight end. Like the true tight ends, the old school tight ends, the 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 Ron Kramers from the Packers who blocked the sweep back in the 60s, you know, the John Mackeys. That that position is kind of dried. The the Rob Gronkowski's, yeah, you know those, those guys, the the Mark Bavaros, the you know those great big guys that could dominate and play. The, those guys are playing defense now, you know, <laughs> they're not playing offense. And when you get one of those guys like Goddard or Kittle or Fryermuth, there's a great advantage to you have. You know, I think Njoku would be to me a red. You know, if I had them in categories, like I don't think Johnson, Waller, and Ingram are blue chip or red chips. I just put them in there as as kind of like big Fs. Like Hawkinson's trying to get paid, right? He's having a hold in. Yeah. The reason he's trying to get paid is because he's very productive, and yet you know he doesn't want to get paid like a tight end. He wants to get paid like a more like a receiver. Yeah. Once again, to clarify, the big Fs. So these are the pass catching tight ends, not necessarily the blockers. Travis Kelsey of the Chiefs, Mark Andrews of the Ravens, TJ Hawkinson with the Vikings, Evan Ingram with the Jaguars, Jawan Johnson with the New Orleans Saints, and Darren Waller now with the New York Giants. And then the 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 wise, the guys who are the they can do some stuff in the passing game, but also do stuff in the run game as blockers and the pass game as blockers. It's George Kittle of the 49ers, Dallas Goddard of the Philadelphia Eagles, Pat Fryermuth of the Steelers, David Njoku of the Browns. And I ask you this, Michael, about the position. Which is it the big Fs or the big Ys you think is more valuable to a football team? I think the big Ys are. Yeah. I think the big Ys. But when you get a guy like, like okay, like let's go through the blue chip. Let's go. Well, we have red chip receivers. Okay. So I'm on St. Brown, Debo Samuel, Waddle from the, the Dolphins, C.D. Lamb, Devontae Smith. Just missed. I thought you could put Garrett Wilson in there. He's a really good player. Chris Olave is a good player. But now let's go to the Blues, okay? The best receivers in football, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Chase, and Diggs. I had six in there. Mm -hmm. But if Kelsey, Kelsey's a blue chip receiver. You follow me? Mm -hmm. Kelsey, Kelsey's as good as any one of those guys. Different, but as good as any one of those guys. So, like, whereas Andrews would probably be more, he's different. I would not say he's – I would rather have Devontae Smith than Andrews, but Andrews helps because he can block a little bit more of the edge. So when you're an 11, you can get a block on the edge guy. Mm-hmm. So it's different, you know. But I think that Kelsey's so freaking good, he would be a blue-chip receiver, which is really what he is. And, and I know, like, the Kyle Shanahan offense, and one of the reasons why you've talked about it a lot is that, like, they don't have to substitute. Like, they can substitute without substituting – and Kittle is a big reason as to why that is. Like he is, like you mentioned, a motivated blocker, a determined blocker, but then also is a threat in the pass game as well. These guys, they feel like these whys are so rare to where I would definitely value a Y more than an F just because I'm like, if you can block and you can do the catching, like I get the dynamic pass catching, but man, it's such a big advantage to be able to do both of those things to where they just can't, like, because I feel like the Fs, those guys, if you put a safety on one of those guys or a DB, like they can run with them, but those big dominant guys in the run game and in the pass game, that's few and far between. It feels like. Yeah, I mean that's why I like Jawan Johnson. You know, he's he was a he was a big receiver. They turned him into an F, but he he's tough enough. He does that. Waller was a big receiver. They turned him into an F. But Evan Ingram, you're not running the ball behind Evan Ingram. You can't run the ball behind. But in the league, and the league knows that. What makes San Francisco what took them to another level was McCaffrey. McCaffrey's versatility in the slot. McCaffrey's ability to run different routes, not just screens and draws, right? McCaffrey's ability to go in the slot and run option. His ability to go in the slot and run and run a sail route. His ability to go in the slot and run a seam and be a receiver. That's what makes them so hard because now, you know, they can get to anything. It's when New England had Hernandez and Gronk. Gronk they yep. could be in 10. They could be in 11. They could be in 12. They put the guy in the backfield. What you want to be the best football team is to never have to substitute, but substitute, but substitute during the game. So, okay, you got you've got two tight ends on the team. You got Hernandez and Gronk. You just move them around like chess pieces. We'll we'll get back to the best ones after the break. 
Yeah, we're coming up against it here on the break. We also have breaking news, a trade with a former first round pick. It's not Trey Lance <laughs> that's being traded. It's another former first round draft pick that's on the move here out of the NFC West. We'll discuss that and also get to the Chris Jones news as well as we wrap up the GM shuffle with Michael Lombardi presented by DraftKings and Visa. All right, let's put a bow on the blue chip, red chip, pass catchers, receivers, and tight ends. You mentioned uh, your best of the best at wide receiver. You're going with Tyreek Hill with the Miami Dolphins. Nobody puts fear in the heart of a defense quite like no. Tyreek Hill and the speed that he has. No, I mean, it's just he changes the game. I mean, he changes the game. I mean, look, they've got two receivers that change the game. Waddle, too, right? It's like Philadelphia, Smith and, and A.J. Brown. But Tyreek Hill, you know, it's just – when you talk about a number one receiver, you got to roll the coverage to him all the time. And that's what Tyreek Hill is. That's what Devontae Adams is. That's what Justin Jefferson is. That's what Jamar Chase is, too. Mm -hmm. A.J. Brown, you know, you got to tackle A.J. Brown. Yeah. Stephon Diggs is also, you know, he's there. But those guys are so elite. But Hill scares you to death. You play man-to-man. -man, you play press on him. He's going to throw. You get the ball thrown over the top of you. Like, there's nobody in the league like him. And, he, and when he gets the ball in his hands, he's a powerful runner. What makes him special is his quickness too. Like he can get the instant, instantly get the top speed, mm -hmm. and you know he's got great hands. So he is, you know, to me he he's the one that scares me the most. Yeah, no, he he is electric, and what he does is a pass catcher, and he helped that Dolphins offense be pretty explosive last season. In terms of the best of the best of the big Fs and the big Ys, I mean the big Fs. I'm assuming Travis Kelsey is the best of the best right there. That's not. Breaking it. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. a wide receiver. I mean, he's yeah. a number one receiver. I mean, to me, the best tight end, the most complete tight end is Goddard. Goddard. And, you know, they use him in, 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 in the way to where they don't even try to, you know, he's blocking the edge. He can c control the end of the line of scrimmage. I mean, he's by far the best one. Yeah. I think Firemoose is going to be really good, too. He's It'll be interesting to see what Mike Mayer does. I think that's going to be important, too. I mean, he could yeah. be a good player because he could block. You know, we'll see what this class what this class brings in terms of of who can block and who's just really an F. Because once the coordinators realize he's just a pass receiver, then they play sub to it. Yep. Yeah. Which is why I don't think those big F guys, they're really nice and dynamic, but they're not as valuable as the big Ys and those guys who can actually block and be pass catchers. I'm, I'm curious, Dalton Kincaid of the Buffalo Bills, he was a first round pick and it looks like they're going to be running him in the slot and doing all these things. So it sounds like he's headed towards being a big F in the NFL. But he could, like but I thought he might be able to block a little bit. We'll okay. see. I and mean, if they can block, if they can block in protection, it's a huge advantage. You know, and looking at your list here before we move on, just like the embarrassment of riches for the Philadelphia Eagles offense. It's, I mean, they had a number of guys on the offensive line with Mylotta and Lane Johnson. They have three pass catchers. You have a red chip receiver, a blue chip receiver, and then you have a top, complete tight end in Dallas Goddard. Uh, well, you wonder why they're good because they have a lot yeah. of really, really good players. Yeah, I mean, so well put together the, their talent, their talent. I mean, their offensive line makes it all go. I mean, it really does. I mean, that skill up front makes it all go. Real quick before we get to Chris Jones, wanted to update the folks on the trade that just happened moments ago in the NFL. Uh, Isaiah Simmons, the former first-round pick for the Arizona Cardinals, is being traded to the New York Giants for a seventh-round draft pick. The Cardinals declined his fifth-year option this offseason, so he's scheduled to be a free agent next year, but he's going to the Giants. All it took was a seventh-round pick in this upcoming draft next spring. Yeah, I mean, the guy has no position. The guy has no position whatsoever. He's not a linebacker. They tried to play him at safety. Uh, he doesn't really have that. I, you know, to me, this is one of those – you asked the question about Trey Lance. Why would you take a guy with all this potential? Why would you take Isaiah Simmons? Well, because he's fast and he can run. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't have the he doesn't doesn't have linebacker instincts. He's not a safety, you know. So there's really no position for him, and he's not really fully engaged into the game. So I think what you're going to see in Arizona is you're going to see a lot of these guys go. I I think they're going to reshape the roster completely. Mm. I think they've gotten in there. And I think they know it's a mess. I think they know they have a few guys that they can count on that love football. I think they're going to keep them. And, I, and I'm pretty convinced. I, I would be shocked if they keep going down the Murray Road. I really will be. Mm. I'll be completely shocked if they go down that road. Because, because I think they know the culture 
and the way things have been out there, it was a disaster. And look, we can all talk about everything, but the reality of it is, is has Murray endeared himself to his teammates? I think that remains to be seen. I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. Trading a guy who was such a top 10 a lottery pick for a seventh shows you there was no market out there at all for him. There was zero market out there for him. And the Giants are going to take a flyer. They figure like, okay, Wink Martindale can get the guy. You know, Maybe we'll use him as a blitzer. Maybe we will. Who knows? But, I mean, when you give up that quickly on a guy who you spent that high of a draft pick on, you know it's over. Well, now you've left us with this nugget here. I mean, what's the market for, for Kyler Murray at that contract? <laughs> it's be interesting to see. The market in the media is <laughs> to, way different than continued. the market in the league. Well, the market in the media is going to be, oh, my God, you know. But mm. the, market in the, the market in there, I mean, you know, you talk to people who have been with the Cardinals and you talk to anybody who was there, be interesting to see. Yeah. I'll just say this. I, I would say this. I think the way Monty Ossendorf and Jonathan Gannon are kind of clearing the team out, I think, to me, you'll see a lot more changes. I think anybody that doesn't love football and buy in won't be on the team for very long. Wow. Perhaps maybe we'll see their new quarterback this Saturday, Caleb Williams at USC. Is, is, that, where, is that where we're headed with this thing? I, I mean, look, they're not very good. Their Cardinals are not a very talented team. They play hard. The first two preseason games, they played hard. You can see they're, they're coaching hard. They're coaching effort. But they're just not going to be good enough. It's going to be really challenging for them. I mean, they're, they're going to trade anybody. They'll trade anybody off that team. I think the best – they're not going to trade Buda Baker. They, he's their heart and soul of the team. Mm-hmm. He's their heart and soul of the team. I mean, Zayvon Collins, they'll trade him. And they'll trade whoever you want. They'll trade anybody. That, that that came from the past era. They got to clean out that locker room. Yeah. Well, it'll be an interesting cut down day, which I believe is coming up next week after this weekend's preseason games. Maybe they can work some of these trades here of guys that they want to kind of clear out from the previous regime. All right. We've held off on this long enough. Chris Jones on Twitter talking about how he can hold out all the way until week eight. Uh, that would be a big loss for the Kansas City Chiefs since he was, when we did our blue chips, red chips, interior defensive lineman, the best of the best heading into this season, 15 and a half sacks last year. Andy Reid was asked about Chris Jones. Here's what he had to say on the latest with the contract negotiations for their star defensive tackle. There's been no communication, so I don't, I don't know uh, what's going to go there, but whatever happens, happens. I mean, not there. We, the game goes on, right? So that's how it works. So. You used to do the GM stuff, too. Uh, you said you kind of like not being a part of that. But as someone who's the head coach and been here for as long as you have, you know Chris so well, is there there a way for you to get involved with this or you just? Um, No, not right now there's not. Yeah, yeah. So he's got, they got to communicate and do their thing and there's just been no communication, so. No communication is what he has said. And Chris Jones has put the deadline of week eight there. So that's far off into October territory. Is it panic time for this Chiefs defense that is reliant on their best player? Well, I mean, look, Andy Reid said it well. I mean, life goes on. I mean, you know, they're obviously not going to pay what he – there's been communication. It's he wants X and they're not willing to pay X. So, and you know, and and I'm sure there's been back and forth on that. And now that both sides have kind of dug in – you know, somebody's going to have to cave. And Jones made it clear that, you know, he's going to, he could wait till week eight. Look, the guy was the best defensive player in football last year. There's no question. 15 and a half sacks, all the quarterback hits, you know, and his value, they know his value, mm-hmm. but they also know they have a salary cap and they have structure and they have things that they've got to put into place. And Andy knows exactly what's going on. I mean, Andy knows everything that happens within that organization. Brett Veach and him work hand in hand together. And I'm sure that, you know, the communication isn't there because why communicate when you're so far apart? Mm. You know, why, if, if I keep calling you up, Femi, and I keep showing that I want to get a deal done and I don't get to your number, you know, you get a sense of desperation on my part. All right. Mm-hmm. So Chris Jones comes out and says, I'm not showing up till week eight. And he comes back and says, life goes on. Yeah. I mean, that's just exactly what happens. And so if once you show you're desperate, you're going to cave. 
And if you're not desperate, look, the, the Chiefs will figure out how to win without him. They're a way yeah. better team with them. It'll be harder to win with without them because it's easier to block their front now, and it's easier to attack their secondary, which has, you know, has got some areas you can. But you know, I mean, Andy's, you know, they got Patrick Mahomes. I mean, look, they, if they can't, that's the thing. Mahomes and Kelsey have done everything for the team. They could easily make more money. They could easily make more money, and if they turn around and give money to Jones and over and pay him, and Kelsey said, well, "What am I doing here?" It's a fair question to ask. Uh, what, what do you think the likelihood is that Chris Jones is uh, on the field week one against the Lions coming up now in like two weeks? I would say unlikely. And even if he shows up, can you play him much? Yeah. I mean, that's the concern you have is your guy hasn't been on the field for a while. You know, it isn't, you know, this isn't the NBA where you can just show up and start playing. I mean, your body's got to get ready for it too. So, I mean, look, if, 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 they, if there's no communication now, I don't think the Chiefs will get desperate. I really don't. All right, we have two minutes left. Let's do some quick hitting thoughts on some other news and notes. Baker Mayfield, we didn't touch on this. We expected him to be the, the QB one for the Buccaneers, but any thoughts on Baker officially now the starting quarterback for Tampa? I don't know. What's the over-under when he loses his job? This game week six? I mean, seriously. I, I, I can't. I mean, look at Baker's last two years. How he's still a starting quarterback in the NFL shows you there's just not a lot of them. Yeah. There's just not a lot of them. I mean, he just hasn't played well, and he doesn't protect the football, and he can't see down the field. So – I'm 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 surprised he beat Trask out. I didn't watch practice, but obviously they went with the veteran guy. I think you're giving DraftKings an idea for a new betting market there. When will Kyle Trask take over as the starter for the yeah. Buccaneers? You can go ahead and price that one. Uh, Corey Davis, we've been asking about him all offseason. He retires from the NFL there and frees yeah. up some cap space for the New York Jets. Well, I think that's why they didn't do anything with him. I think he was they were kind of waiting on what he wanted to do. He probably just didn't have this moment. I want to retire. Now, I don't know if he's, if they agreed not to have a signing bonus. He's going to have to pay signing bonus back because he retired. So maybe there was some kind of agreement. I was surprised by this. But I was surprised he's been on the roster this long. If they cut him, he wouldn't have to pay any signing bonus back. But if he retired, he does. Yeah. No. We, it's a... Uh... It was a surprise there. We thought that, all right, they bring in Randall Cobb, they bring in Lazar, they bring in all these guys. Obviously, Garrett Wilson's already there as, as a stud, but uh, apparently Corey Davis decides he wants to walk away from football. Former first-round pick, 28 years old. We have a couple preseason games tonight. Excited to watch those. Steelers, Falcons, Colts, just and two? the Eagles. Just two. I mean, just two, fam. I mean, that's easy for you. I mean, you yeah. can watch four, watch six, watch eight. I mean, two <laughs> is going to be no problem for you. I mean, we're going to have full-on reports if it's just two games oh, here. Yeah. I mean, I, we're going to get Twitter <laughs> Femi out tonight. I can't wait. I'm flying home today. I can't wait for Twitter <laughs> Femi tonight when I get home. Maybe Twitter Elliot with his boy Anthony Richardson out there on the oh, field starting God. for the Indianapolis yeah, Colts. Thank too. you to our producer, Elliot Bowman. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to Beeson. Thank you to you, Michael. I will talk to you guys on Monday with a new edition of the GM Shuffle Podcast.